So, good evening, folks. Got a surprise bonus hour for you because we had some surprise filings in the Danchenko case. And here they are. Well, before I get to that, today's October 3rd. And I forgot to mention on my show today, because I completely forgot, that today is the final day for either Danchenko or Durham to file motions in Lemonade. And if I had not forgotten that, I would have mentioned it on the show today and probably be looking really smart right now because I said, hmm, we might see some filings from, Dan from Igor or John Durham today. Because here we are. We got three filings right at the deadline, just came up after dinner time from Danchenko. No filings from Durham have appeared, and I don't, I don't, I think it's past time. I think it would have appear, appeared by now. So today, October 3rd, is the final day for any motions eliminated to be filed. If you don't remember what a motion eliminate is, it simply means it's a fancy word for limiting motion. It's stuff you want to limit. So you might want to limit the testimony that some a witness can give or you want to limit the evidence that can be admitted at court. Today's the last day to do it, and Danchenko's team filed three of them. And what these amount to, I just scanned them quickly. What these amount to, number one, is a preview of the defense that Danchenko's team is putting together for him. So neither none of these three are very long. They're not very long filings. I think they're all about, they're all around eight pages. And uh, so let's look at them. The first one here motion eliminate to introduce public statements published and adopted by the United States. So this is not to limit something, this is to introduce this evidence. And this one is giving us a big preview of what Danchenko's lawyers are going to argue, I believe. They're going to use the FBI and the DOJ's own publicly available filings or guidance, I should say, own publicly available guidance about witness witnesses answering questions and witnesses testifying. So let's go through this one rather quickly because the final one is the real, I think that's the real juicy one. All right, defendant Igor Danchenko buying through his counsel, et cetera, et cetera. Admit statements the government made in publicly available guidance and training material posted on official government websites to advise witnesses about how to testify and answer questions. These statements directly contradict the illogical prosecutorial theory employed here by the special counsel and are relevant to and support Mr. Danchenko's defense that he did not knowingly provide false statements to the FBI. Oh, no way, Jerry. As discussed below, these statements are admissible because they are relevant and not hearsay at all, or alternatively, they fall into an enumerated exception to the rule against hearsay. Yeah, it's not hearsay. It's the government's own guidance. The special counsel's prosecution of Mr. Danchenko for false statements hinges on two arguments that are contradicted by the material published by the government concerning witness testimony and interrogation techniques. So the defense is going to try and use the, uh, they're going to try and use the government's own guidelines against the special counsel. The special counsel alleges one, that Mr. Danchenko is guilty of false statements because he should have volunteered superfluous and unsolicited information to the FBI rather than answer in a precise fashion the actual targeted questions the agents asked him, and two, that Mr. Danchenko's subjective reasoning that led him to believe, quote-unquote, that he may have spoken to Million was designed to hinder rather than help investigators. 
Numerous public statements by the U.S. directly contradict and undermine these positions and support Mr. Danchico's defense that he interpreted investigators' questions appropriately and answered them truthfully. First, the government, through United States Department of Justice, has repeatedly published guidelines that advises witnesses to listen carefully to the question presented, to answer only the question asked, and not to volunteer information that is not actually requested. And they cite an, a, a Justice Department publication called Tips for Testifying in Court. And another one that's out of the Witness Protection Program, Victim Witness Program, I should say. It's Tips for Testifying is the name of it. Another one from Alaska. One of these from they're from Wisconsin, Alaska, Pennsylvania, National Institute of Justice. They're all tips for testifying. And the last one is Eyewitness Evidence. And they've attached these as exhibits. Second, the Department of Justice also advises witnesses not to speculate or, quote, make up an answer so as to avoid confusion. Instead, the Department of Justice advises witnesses to be clear and to admit when they do not know the answer to a question. Additionally, the government, through the Federal Law Enforcement Training Centers, admonishes witnesses, quote, to learn and and to listen. Make sure to carefully listen to the question presented before you answer. It is important to answer only the question presented and then stop talking and do not volunteer information. If a question can be answered with a simple yes or no, just respond in that way. Second, the Federal Law Enforcement Training Centers also advise witnesses not to speculate because their testimony should be based upon their personal knowledge. So, that, this, is a, this is a real preview, I think. I mean, I'm no expert, but I think this is a real preview of what they're going to go. They're going to say that Igor was doing his best and the way that John Durham is trying to prosecute him for lies is um, bad, in bad faith and it, he's twisting and he's actually going against the government's own guidelines against how witnesses should answer questions. Danchenko was trying to follow those guidelines as best of his knowledge. That's going to be the one of their angles. All right, next section, the governing hypothesis of any criminal prosecution for the purpose of determining relevancy of evidence introduced consists of elements of the offense charged and any relevant defenses raised to defeat criminal liability. In addition to being relevant, there is no viable hearsay objection to admissibility of the evidence here. Yeah, there's, there isn't. The hearsay rules are designed to exclude unreliable out-of-court statements. Okay, yeah, this totally makes sense. This isn't going to be excluded. A statement is not hearsay if it is not offered to prove the truth of the matter asserted in the statement. Here, Mr. Danchenko does not seek to litigate the truth or falsity of the statements made by the government in these materials. Yeah, that's all well and good. Finally, Rule of Evidence 8038 creates an exception to the rule against hearsay that allows statements of a public office like the official training man, training materials and guidance. Here, the proffered evidence is relevant to the court issues before the jury. Yeah. That guidance, this guidance contradicts the special counsel's, enti- special counsel's entire theory in this case. Both with respect to the answers Mr. Danchenko provided about Dolan and Million, indeed, in defending against Mr. Danchenko's motion to dismiss the indictment, the special counsel argued that when the FBI asked Mr. Danchenko whether he talked to Dolan, he had an obligation to volunteer unrequested information, such as email correspondence with Dolan even though Mr. Danchenko truthfully answered the specific and unambiguous questions the agents asked him. This is getting clever. Mr. Danchenko gave truthful answers based on his knowledge. 
those of you watching, I'm going to zoom this in a little bit so y'all can read along if you want to. I know some people do that. Moreover, with regard to Million, the FBI was aware that Mr. Danchenko received a phone call from an anonymous caller who never identified himself. Himself. Contrary to the government's own instructions to witnesses, the FBI agents encouraged and allowed Mr. Danchenko to speculate about who he believed was the anonymous caller and why. Based on the context and timing of the phone call, Mr. Danchenko explained that he suspected but was not sure that the anonymous caller was Million. Thus, the government engaged Mr. Danchenko in a very same practice it proactively discourages witnesses from engaging in. Okay. The public statements by the government are not hearsay. Okay. Yes. Conclusion. All right. I think they will get this stuff admitted. I don't see a reason why the judge would not allow it. Here are the exhibits, which are literally screenshots from uh, the Department of Justice website. Um, this one is District of Alaska's tips for testifying. And here's Pennsylvania's. I wonder what led them to choose just those states. And they also chose Wisconsin is in there. And then, um, yeah, there's Wisconsin. And then this manual here is called Eyewitness Evidence, a Trainer's Manual for Law Enforcement. And they've scanned a few pages out of it on the sequence of how an interview should go and um, facilitation of the witness's memory and thinking. Okay. And they're going to they're gonna try and... Yeah. Okay. So his angles are going to be that the government... The theory of the case goes against the guidance that the Department of Justice puts out. They might try and argue that the agents who were interrogating Danchenko did a poor job and didn't follow their own guidance. And that they were asking Mr. Danchenko to speculate. Now, let's really drill into this talked right here. Talked to Dolan. As you may recall, I pointed out before that they've really tried to do a Bill Clinton-like, depends on what the definition of is, is. Danchenko was asked if he talked to Dolan about what was in the Steele reports. And Danchenko answered no. And that was a lie. He had talked to Dolan about it. But what they've been trying to argue is that talked is not what he did. That's That talked is too ambiguous. It's too vague for the specific questions that were asked. And that they needed to ask him, did you email him? Did you call him? Did you text him? Did you interact with him on a social media app? Like they need, they wanted him. They're going to try and argue that this was not specific enough. And that when Danchenko answered no, he was thinking of, well, I hadn't actually like verbally communicated with him in person talking. I think that's what they're going to try and argue. I don't think the jury will buy it, but honestly, if a lawyer does a good enough job, the, the jury will buy just about anything, but that goes both ways. So, um, I think I had another comment on this. Oh yeah. The speculation. So neither side, as we've talked about before, neither side argues that the phone calls didn't happen. Neither side alleges that there was no phone call. The contention is 
that Igor Danchenko said he believed or thought that it was million on the other side of the phone. And I told y'all before that in order for Durham to charge million with lying about who he thought was on the other end of the phone, Durham must be able to prove that million knew who the other person on the, on the phone was right. And that's what this defense is getting to here is that they're trying to argue it. The FBI agents were asking Danchenko to speculate on who was on the other end of the phone. And Danchenko's like, ah, it was an anonymous call. And I thought it was million. I mean, I was, I assumed it was million. I was under the impression that it was million on the other end of the phone. But we know from other filings that Durham said that the calls came from somebody already in, from a number already in millions, I mean, in Danchenko's contact list. So I get why they're arguing this and I can get why they're going to play this angle, but I don't see it working out well for Danchenko because my impression from the filings we've gone over is that Durham's going to be able to show that these phone calls were from someone who was in Danchenko's contact list. So it's going to be a John Doe. And what's, what's Danchenko going to say that is his lawyer, his lawyer is going to argue that there was a, it was, it was blocked or something that the, the contact was blocked or that million ants or that Sergey, ah, sorry, or that Danchenko answered without looking to see who it was. He just, his phone started vibrating, so he hit answer without looking to see who was on the other end. Um, I don't know how they get around that. Um, yeah, I don't know how they get around that, but I do get how they're going for this angle here. This this angle makes sense to me, and I'm not surprised about it. Okay, very clever. I gotta admit. Clever and good for them to, uh, from Danchenko's team. I mean, it's a good play to use the government's own guidance against them. Even if it's not a perfect match, it's a good play. Okay. Next one. Motion in Lemonade to exclude evidence or argument that Mr. Danchenko provided false statements through concealment or omission and to exclude evidence regarding the materiality of uncharged, allegedly false statements. And forgive me for a distraction, but a message popped up that I need to look at. I really unprofessional of me, but I just saw something pop up and I need to, Okay. Okay. I thought I was, I thought maybe it was something new related to the PIDB, uh, where Ezra Cohen Watnick is, uh, but it wasn't something new. It was someone, uh, resharing. I thought maybe something had been released. Okay. Um, for the reasons detailed herein, defendant Igor Danchenko through counsel respectfully request that the court preclude special counsel Durham from 
I lost my place. Sorry. I zoomed in from presenting certain evidence, irrelevant, certain irrelevant, unduly prejudicial, misleading and confusing evidence, including one evidence or argument that Mr. Danchenko concealed, withheld or omitted information in response to questions by FBI agents. And two evidence or argument regarding the materiality of uncharged statements or omissions. Evidence is only relevant if it tends to make a legally consequential fact a fact that is of consequence in determining the action that's in bold, more or less pro- probable. Moreover, this court has broad discretion to exclude relevant evidence where probative value is substantially outweighed by the danger of unfair prejudice, refusing the issues, misleading the jury, undue delay, wasting time, or needlessly presenting cumulative evidence. The charges against Mr. Danchenko are narrow and straightforward, which... Y- Pursuant to 18 U.S.C. 1001A2, which criminalizes affirmative, materially false statements or or representations, the special counsel alleges that Mr. Danchenko lied about two specific events. As the special counsel correctly noted in its motions in limine, a jury will have to decide only whether the defendant knowingly and willfully made materially false statements to the FBI regarding his sourcing for information reflected in the steel reports. Nothing more, nothing less. Accordingly, Mr. Danchenko respectfully requests that this court preclude the special counsel from muddying the waters, prejudicing Mr. Danchenko, and confusing or influencing the jury by introducing evidence and argument that is irrelevant to the only questions before the jury. One, whether Mr. Danchenko made affirmative false statements to the FBI as charged in counts one through five of the indictment, and two, whether each allegedly false statement, when analyzed independently, is material because it had the tendency or capability to influence a specific government decision. One, the special counsel charged Mr. Danchenko with affirmatively making false statements or representations, perhaps recognizing the weakness of its case. The special counsel has begun to argue that count one should survive because, according to the special counsel, Mr. Danchenko should have known that the FBI was interested in, <coughs> excuse me, was interested in all communications he had with Dolan and he did not disclose a single email communication with Dolan in response to questioning by an an FBI agent. Further, the special counsel has referenced the fact that Mr. Danchenko did not provide the FBI with two additional emails he sent to Sergey Million in connection with the false statements charge in count two through five. Evidence and argument that suggests Mr. Danchenko omitted information are irrelevant, unduly prejudicial, would result in fatal variance from the indictment, and are impermissible 404B. Man, I don't think they are, bud. I do not think they are. Um, by the way, that's what they want. They want, he wants, their defense wants to argue that the FBI, instead of asked, did you talk to, to Dolan about any of this stuff? Any of these allegations, Mr. Dinchenko? What they want to argue to the jury is that the FBI should have asked, Mr. Dinchenko, did you have any communication whatsoever with Charles Dolan about this matter. You know, they want it to be something like that. But think about people you know in your life. If you ask them, hey, have you talked to so-and-so about this? You don't have to say, did you text so-and-so? Did you call so-and-so? Did you send an email to so-and-so? Did you go visit so-and-so? You can just say, hey, have you talked to Bob about repairing the porch. 
You don't need to say, hey, honey, have you uh, texted Bob about repairing the porch? Have you called Bob? Have you emailed Bob? Have you gone to Bob's shop and asked him about like you could just say, have you talked to Bob? And then the person you're asking could say, yeah, I actually called him. Yeah, I emailed him. Yeah, I visited his shop. Yeah, I texted him. Right. I get what they're going for. It's a very lawyerly thing to slice up the word talked the way they're going to try to. Um, I don't think it's going to fly. With respect to count one, the special counsel should not be permitted to argue that Mr. Danchenko knew the FBI was interested in email communication and omitted such information from his answer. If your spouse asks you, hey, have you talked to your ex recently? And you said no, but you had actually emailed them. Would you be lying or telling the truth when you said no? Such an argument would be false statement by omission or concealment theory. Yes, it would. And your spouse would let you know that the special counsel cannot pursue has cannot now pursue a charge. It chose not to indict doing so would violate Mr. Dinchenko's fifth amendment. Right. So they want this left out because they don't want the jury to notice. They don't want the jury. The defense doesn't want the jury to see that Danchenko was trying to conceal this information from the FBI. He was. Moreover, such a theory would be legally unsound because Mr. Danchenko was not under a duty to disclose such information to the FBI. Ordinarily, a defendant may not be convicted or concealment of concealment unless the defendant had a duty to disclose. Footnote. Mr. Danchenko was never asked to provide all correspondence with Dolan or Million, and Mr. Danchenko never received a subpoena requesting such correspondence. That's interesting. Further, the special counsel should not be permitted to present evidence or argument that suggests Mr. Danchenko made other omissions to the FBI. Such evidence and arguments are impermissible under Federal Rule of Evidence 404B and 403 to show that on a particular occasion the person acted in accordance with the character Okay. Allowing the special counsel to present such evidence and arguments to the jury will confuse jurors and create an impermissible risk that a juror will find that other uncharged omissions were somehow improper. They were not. And that Mr. Danchenko made the outlet, the alleged false statements at issue in accordance with that bad character. Similarly, a juror may find that an omission is enough to prove a false statement under 18 US, USC 1001A2. It is not. Here's a footnote. This is not a case of omission. The special counsel brought five counts, alleging that Mr. Danchenko made affirmative false statements. The counsel should not, the special counsel should be limited to evidence and arguments relevant to the actual charges. Nothing more, nothing less. Oh, they're quoting Durham right there. Nothing more, nothing less. This is getting spicy. This is getting spicy. Defense is, is, uh, I mean, Danchenko has a good team. He has good lawyers. Okay. Part two, the special counsel bears the burden to prove that each charged statement is both false and material. Accordingly, the court should preclude the special counsel from presenting irrelevant evidence or argument regarding the materiality of any uncharged statements or omissions. In any criminal prosecution, the government must prove every element of the alleged crime beyond a reasonable doubt. 
In a false statements prosecution pursuant to 18 U.S.C. 1001, the government must prove that the defendant knowingly and willfully made a false material statement or representation in a matter within the jurisdiction of a department or agency of the United States. For each charge statement, the special counsel must prove that the statement is both false and material. A statement is material if it had natural tendency to influence or is capable of influencing a particular decision of the agency to be addressed. Yeah, we already know these were material. A statement is not material if it is merely a general interest to the government. Yeah, this is way more than that. Here, the special counsel charged Mr. Denshinko with five specific affirmative false statements. Special counsel must prove they were all independently false and material. Evidence or argument about uncharged statements, representations or omissions is entirely irrelevant to whether each charge statement is both false and material. Evidence or argument about uncharged statements, representations or omissions also presents a significant risk of confusing the jury and influencing the jury to consider uncharged conduct rather than deciding whether the special counsel has met its burden to prove that each of the five charge statements are both false and material. Accordingly, Mr. Danchenko respectfully requests that this court preclude the special counsel from presenting evidence or argument about uncharged statements, representations, or omissions as irrelevant and unduly prejudicial and confusing. Okay. Um, In my non-expert opinion, this seems like an argument that has to be made to trying for the by the defense to try and get all this other stuff excluded. Um, this information about other acts that were uncharged, but all of these things that are uncharged are all connected. They're all connected to the same people, the same events, the same materials, and what makes these uncharged um, acts material to the case is what makes what is charged material. It's the same. It's all the same thing. It's all part of the same thing. So I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't think judge Tringa goes for this. I re I really don't. I don't think he allows this stuff to be excluded. I remember Durham's motion for that stuff and it's all connected and it's all part of the same crime. Um, so, all right, let's get to the juiciest one. Defendant Igor Danchenko's motion in limine to limit the testimony of Charles Dolan. By the way, Charles is misspelled. Charles is misspelled. Let's just check that real quick. Hmm. Okay, I might... Most likely, it's just a simple mistake, but misspellings matter. It's interesting. Okay. For the reasons detailed below, defender, defendant Igor Danchenko, by and through his counsel, respectfully submits this motion in limine to preclude evidence, testimony, or argument that Charles Dolan 
jokingly and baselessly speculated that Igor Danchenko may have been associated with the Russian government. Hmm. Introduction. Based upon statements by the special counsel at the motions hearing before the court on September 29, 2022, and information included in the proposed trial exhibit submitted by the special counsel, it appears that the special counsel intends to present evidence and testimony concerning Charles Dolan's speculative belief that Mr. Danchenko may have worked for the Russian government. See Government Exhibit 709, June 10th, 2016 email. Quote, Mr. Danchenko is too young for KGB, but I think he worked for FSB, the Russian Federal Security Service, since he told me he spent two years in Iran. And when I first met him, he knew more about me than I did. See also Government Exhibit 717, January 13th, 2017 email, quote, I've been interviewed by the Washington Post and the London Times three times over the last two days over the MI6 dossier on Trump, and I know the Russian agent who made the report. He used to work for me. The exhibit to any testimony or argument concerning Mr. Dolan's conjecture is wholly irrelevant and inadmissible and unreliable. In addition, Mr. Dolan's half-joking comments to third parties are far more prejudicial than probative and must be excluded under the Federal Rules of Evidence 403 balancing test. First, the evidence has no bearing on the only issue before the jury with respect to Mr. Dolan, which is simply whether Dan Mr. Danchenko had talked with Mr. Dolan about any specific information contained in the company reports. Second, undermining any credible claim of reliability and admissibility the email on its face suggests that Mr. Dolan was joking when he wrote it because he included a winking smile emoticon at the conclusion of the June 10th, 2016 email. Oh man, those winking emojis. Third, Mr. Dolan explained to investigators that when he made reference to Mr. Danchenko as a Russian agent, quote, he was just having some fun with an old friend, but there was some truth there. However, he could not be 100% sure. Notes of September 7th, 2021, interview of Charles Dolan. There's a footnote. In his initial interview with investigators on August 31st, 2021, Dolan stated that he had never said that he never had a feeling that Danchenko was a Russian intelligence officer. He stated he had no reason to believe it, and it never crossed my mind. Notes of August 31st, 2021, interview of Charles Dolan. It says that's the first, his initial interview with investigators. We just learned something. Charles Dolan was initially interviewed by investigators August 31st, 2021. Interesting. I would have thought it had been before then, but... Go back to where that footnote was. Fourth, Mr. Dolan's reference to Mr. Danchenko's alleged work in Iran is irrelevant to the single charge false statement concerning Mr. Dolan. Finally, Mr. Dolan's joking conclusion should be seen for what it is, a prejudicial conclusion based on Mr. Danchenko's status as an ethnic Russian national. This wholly irrelevant and prejudiced attempt at humor has no place in a criminal trial. By reference, Mr. Danchenko incorporates and adopts the arguments raised in Docket 84, his opposition to the government's motion eliminated to exclude evidence of a similar nature. 
argument. One revered and long-standing policy in our criminal justice system is that an accused is tried for what he did, not who he is. Therefore, the general prohibition against admitting character evidence in Federal Rule of Evidence 404B, quote, protects against juries trying defendants for prior acts rather than charged acts. Character evidence often offers only slight probative value and may be very prejudicial. It tends to distract the trier of fact from the main question of what actually happened. It subtly permits the trier of fact to reward the good, the good man and to punish the bad man because of their res, respective characters, despite what the evidence in the case shows actually happened. To protect defendants from the risk of prejudice associated with character evidence, the government bears the burden to prove that the prior alleged bad act is admissible for a proper non-propensity purpose, such as to prove motive, opportunity, intent, preparation, plan, knowledge, identity, absence of mistake, or lack of accident. To satisfy, satisfy this burden, the government must prove that the evidence is relevant to an issue, such as the element of the offense, and not to establish the general character of the defendant. The government must also demonstrate that evidence is necessary in the sense that it is probative of an essential claim or element of the, of the offense, that the evidence is reliable, and that the probative value not substantially outweighed by confusion or unfair prejudice. The proffered evidence and testimony do not fit into any rule that would permit its admission, admission and is also exclu excludable pursuant to Rule 404, 403 balancing test. The court should exclude evidence of its probative value is substantially outweighed by a danger of one or more of the following. Unfair prejudice. They're going to go for that hard right there. Yeah. Confusing the issues, misleading the jury, undue delay, wasting time. Unfair prejudice, that's the real angle here. Here, the 403 factors heavily for, for favor, excluding Mr. Dolan's baseless and prejudiced speculation. Mr. Dolan joking and theoret Mr. Dolan's joking and theoretical emails would unfairly prejudice Mr. Danchenko. I called it. Confuse the issue to be decided at trial. Mislead the jury based on a groundless conclusion by a lay witness with no actual knowledge and would have no bearing on any issue before the jury. As such, there is no basis for admission of the proposed exhibits and related testimony. Notice they didn't, they didn't say anything about our defendant is actually not connected to Russian intelligence. They didn't actually say right here that what Mr. Dolan said is not true. They didn't actually, they're not actually arguing that Mr. Danchenko has any connection to KGB or FSB. They're just saying that Dolan's joking speculation that he is connected to them would unfairly prejudice the jury. They're not challenging whether or not he is. They're not saying it's untruthful. Interesting. Based on the foregoing, Defendant Igor Danchenko respectfully requests that this court grant this motion to eliminate and preclude the special counsel from presenting any evidence, including the emails contained in proposed trial exhibits 709 and 717. Testimony or argument concerning Mr. Dolan's prejudice and baseless joke that he believed Mr. Danchenko might have been affiliated with the Russian government. So... I think they might get this. I think the judge is going to agree. 
trying to chew on it. But I think I think the judge is going to agree that they can't have Dolan joke about this or speculate. They can't admit that. But that doesn't mean other people in this trial can't. For example, if uh, agents from Baltimore or Washington are brought in and testify, they might testify that they had reason to believe that Danchenko was connected to Russian intelligence, just like, uh, yeah, yeah, they might do that. They could, they could, he could do that. So, this it's not that this may not come up at all, but the judge may agree that Dolan's speculation and joking about it is not admiss is not admissible. Um, but that doesn't mean Durham won't bring it up. I don't know if it's I mean, it it seems like it would be advantageous in the climate that we're in with all the Russo phobia that's everywhere. Um, I don't think it's necessary to get Danchenko on this. Like it. Like Charles Dolan's speculation about Danchenko possibly being connected to KGB and FSB, it doesn't really give more weight to the crimes charged. What it does, though, is that, or what would, is that if the government had information that Danchenko was connected, connected to KGB and FSB, and they knew early on that he was the subsource of Christopher Steele that would change how they handled him and how they handled the information that was coming to him. They, they were getting from Steele. Remember that they were concerned about Russian disinformation. There were conversations within the FBI about what was in the dossier saying, we think this might, we're worried this is, uh, or we're concerned that this is Russian disinformation. And, If they had known that Danchenko was the subsource, which they eventually they pretty quickly found out, and then if they had known about his prior counterintelligence investigation from 2009-2011, which Durham's going to bring that up and try, it has argued that he wants to bring that up and he wants to bring in agents who worked on that, um, if that's brought up in the case, that makes Charles Dolan's speculation not that speculative, especially if they can show that Dolan was aware of it. I, I don't know. I kind of feel like the judge may approve this guys. I kind of do kind of do. Okay. So those are the three filings that we got tonight and I'm refreshing to make sure there's not another one. No, there's not. Okay. So not quite an hour, about 40 minutes of coverage right there. So I have a few minutes, so let me um, let me go ahead and talk to y'all just for a moment about what my plan is for next week, because I've been thinking about it since the show today. I said on the show today I was trying to decide if I wanted to do um, stream in the evening, stream all morning next week to cover each day of the trial, if I wanted to alternate, you know, like if I alternate, it'd be like Monday morning, then I'll stream Tuesday night, then Wednesday morning. That doesn't make much sense because there's not going to be anything new between Tuesday night and Wednesday morning. So what I've decided is I'm going to stream 
each morning next week. So it'll be Monday through Friday, provided there's... I'll definitely stream Monday, Wednesday, Friday. But unless something happens to interrupt the trial where nothing happens on Tuesday or Thursday or whatever, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do each morning. So Monday morning, regular showtime. All these are going to be 9.30 a.m. Monday morning, regular showtime that I always do. I will preview this case. And my goal is between now and Sunday to write a substack and go through this case and give a nice uh, cumulative, not cumulative, um, a nice good overview, a good preview of this case. So between now and Sunday, I'm planning to compile, write, and publish a substack that's going to give a preview of this case. I want it to be something that has lots of receipts, of course, and gives everybody a preview and is something that you can share with people who aren't, maybe they aren't cued in on this. They know that there's a case coming up. They haven't really been paying attention. I want to do something that isn't too deep. Um, It's something that's shareable and that people look at it and might get them hyped to pay more attention to the case. And on Monday, the trial starts on Tuesday. So on Monday, I'm going to present that that article um, during the show, and that'll be our preview of it. Then Tuesday morning, the trial starts, and I probably won't have much to cover unless something happens that night, but I'll probably still do a show on Tuesday morning, and we'll see. There'll probably be some images of Durham and D. Igor going to the courthouse, and Tuesday morning may just be a pretty excited but low on content stream because it's just starting. So um, I might dig around live on stream and find reporters and journalists who are going to be covering it from the courtroom. And uh, we'll find those threads and save them and compile them. And um, yeah, and then Wednesday morning, I'll cover what happened on Tuesday. Thursday morning, I'll cover what happened on Wednesday. Friday, I'll cover what happened on Thursday. And then as far as what happened on Friday, I will either cover that in a bonus hour on Friday night. That's probably most likely. um, Or I'll cover it that next Monday. I think that makes the most sense for me to do it that way. And instead of doing a nightly recap, because I don't want to switch from being a morning show going back to nights for a week or two and then going back to mornings. Uh, One, I don't want to change things up that much. I don't want to change up my sleep that much and my habits. Um, So I think that's that's my plan. Um, Hope that makes sense to y'all, but it'll be every morning and the shows may not be a whole two hours. You know, I'm just going to go live in the morning and cover what happened the day before. And if it takes... Normal two hours, great. If it takes less, then I'll find some other things to cover or it'll just be a shorter show. Um, the, my main goal is I want to give as best coverage of this trial as I can and follow it closely for my, I mean, I want to pay attention to it. Like just seriously me, I'm super interested in it. And two, I think it's one of the most important things that's happened in the history of our country is this trial. Um, and I'm expecting big things out of it. So 
I'm going to do my best to cover it. Lord knows there's not going to, there's not enough coverage of it. Um, and I, I know that there's a few people out there who are probably going to stream every day about the show or every other day, uh, like law two people on YouTube. Um, but a lot of their perspective, you know, I just find it pretty run of the mill. Um, so I'm trying to do it with fresh eyes without a bunch of prejudice from all these years of narratives from both the MSM and Conique. Uh, like I was talking about on the show today, fresh eyes, uh, taking, taking it in as it's presented and trying to put aside our beliefs and go by what we're learning and what is presented in court. So that's my plan guys. That's my plan. And, uh, yeah, thank y'all for, um, thank y'all for supporting what I do. Thank you for the coffees that, um, y'all buy me and thank you for the Substack subscriptions and the subscription on locals. I really appreciate it. That's what that, that literally is what makes this possible. Um, y'all support makes it possible for me to do this and I really enjoy doing it. I get a lot out of it and I'm glad that you guys find enough value in it that you're willing to buy me a coffee here and there, you know? So appreciate y'all. I'm really excited about this. October's here. This is going to be good. Seven days, seven more days till this trial goes live. All right. God bless y'all. Have a great evening. I'll see you on Wednesday morning.